All right, we'll be continuing on our study through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we'll be in verse 5, which seems like a very short verse, but um, we didn't get through it all last week. This will be a two-parter. Tonight we'll be finishing verse 5. Um, and we'll read this, and then we'll dive into the second part of this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, says this, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Very short, very quick, very deep. And we'll unpack this tonight, okay? So let's pray. Lord, we thank You for these words. We thank You for the beauty, the depth, the truth, and the in the glorious words that we've heard. They are from You. And they've been inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that You would give us understanding and truth tonight of this verse. Lord, that it would change us. And draw us closer to You in everything that we do, every aspect of life. And Lord, for those who are Christians, that we can say thank you that we are the blessed one. And to that we give you glory and praise. And Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts tonight of how, how miserably we fall short of what this verse is teaching. But we pray that we would mourn over that and it would bring us to a greater sanctification. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Just to recap briefly, last week, because it's important. Um, this translation, the NASB, says, Blessed are the gentle. You may have heard, Blessed are the meek. Um, those, those two go hand in hand, and they're both good. Um, I've always known it, uh, with the version that I grew up, being meek. So uh, that's kind of what I rolled with. But meek and gentle mean the same thing here. And just in case you forgot, um, we have to understand what this word meek means. And we've, we've really not had it right for, uh, I can speak for me all of my life, because when we hear the word meek, we think, well, this is maybe weak, or this is maybe passive, or um, we look at it as a sign of weakness. But uh, we went back to the, the Greek word to which this is introduced to us, and it comes from the, word, the Greek word praos. And this means gentle meek and humility and how and how this was used in antiquity was it was used to describe a horse a wild horse that was untamed and running free and for a horse to be broken or brought into submission or to make it to where it was under the control of the rider they would have said that that horse was meeked it was brought into subjection into submission it was broken and it was under the obedience of the one over it. And this is how this word is introduced into this language, and it's something different than we've probably been used to hearing. And we said that this, this verse comes in two parts. It's the vertical aspect and it's the horizontal aspect, and we've seen that a lot, right? We've seen that in Romans 12, where for the first 11 chapters of Romans, it was the vertical aspect of our relationship with God and, and His grace and mercy and all those things that came a part of that. And then we set our sights on Romans 12, and it said in light of all these things, now we walk out the horizontal. And this is what's happening in this verse. And if you remember that who He's have in mind here when he says the blessed one these are regenerate christians these are these these beatitudes are not optional characteristics they're not well i can pick and choose this one and I, i'll choose to be um i'll choose to mourn and i'll choose to hunger and thirst after righteousness but i really won't choose to be meek that's just not how it goes because this is the description who's everyone who will be in heaven Blessed, that's the one whom God has shown favor upon, has saved, has uh, showed His mercy on. So this is, a, you want to see who's going to be in heaven? It's those who are poor in spirit. It's those who mourn over sin. It is those who are gentle and meek. These are not optional. These are the characteristics that are displayed in Christians. 
And we talked about last week that the vertical aspect of this meek is that, that we are in such humility to God that it, like a wild horse before our conversion, that we are not caring about the things of God, that we just run and do whatever we want to do, that when we come and, and He regenerates our soul and we see that we're poor in spirit and we mourn over our sin, then in our humility, we, we come into subjection and, and total obedience to Christ. It is we become less and He holds the reins that we are meeked before Him. Our life is in subjection to Him. And that's why we get the translation gentle. The horse that's running wild and crazy is now gentle. It is under the control of that one who has authority over Him. And we mentioned that this is how we're to be. The meek one before God does not demand things from God, does not rebuke God if things go uh, th contrary to the way they believe, but is in ultimate silence and submission to Him because they know who God is. They're humble, they're broken before Him and in total obedience. And Jesus was said to be meek and gentle. Do you remember when He came into Jerusalem? It said that He was gentle riding on a donkey. He was gentle and meek as He was born in a humble way in Bethlehem. And we know that He was meek and obedient to the Father because everything He did on this, on this earth was in submission to the Father. It was in obedience to the Father. It was He came to do the will of the Father. And we see that most clearly on the cross where He said, not my will, but yours be done. Meek is in submission and humility before God just as the wild horse came into submission. But there's two parts. And I thought about not showing up tonight. Because this is where it gets hard. This is not a fun one. This is where we'll all probably leave and be like, oh my goodness. I really need to pray and seek God and mourn. Because if we're not meek before God, lowly, humble, then we can never be meek and gentle towards other people. We have to be meek before God. Because think about this, if we're not meek before the Almighty Creator of the world, how in the world could we be meek and gentle to other creatures? It starts with the vertical and then it goes to the horizontal. And one can't be meek toward others or unless they're meek towards God. Again, this is not an option. This is not an optional characteristic because this gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. That's what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, that it is produced of the Spirit. There's not an unbeliever who's meek. And we can't confuse meekness with shyness or quiet. Because you could be the quietest person in the world and not be meek. And you can't be an unbeliever and be meek. These are the Christians. These are the blessed ones. And now we turn and we set our sights on what this means in our relationships, in our interactions with others. But it is to be gentle, humble, and kind toward others. And I thought that we would just let Scripture do a lot of talking tonight at the first because I've just got verses I want to read on what the meek person looks like. And I just want to go through here. And we begin in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, and it says this, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You've been called to walk in a certain manner. And to be walking in that that is worthy of that calling, it has to be with gentleness, humility, and patience. That's already just a lot. Are you gentle with everyone you come in contact with? Are you kind to everyone that you come in contact with? Or you're kind to those who are kind to you? You're gentle to those who are gentle to you. And you're patient with... Well, sometimes patience is something we need to work on. Have you ever noticed that you're very patient with yourself? But you're not as a patient with other people? Again, what if... God showed patience upon us in the same level that we showed patience 
toward others. What would that look like in our lives? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, it says this, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit of gentleness, each one looking toward yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and therefore uh, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This is the humility of being meek. We stand before God, humble and meek, in humility and submission to Him. And we stand before our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we stand before the people that we run in contact with. And we're to be gentle, patient, kind. And you're to forbear. How quickly we point out the faults of everyone else, but how quickly we don't want to, or how slowly we look inwardly. We're all guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. We're to bear one another's burdens. And if someone has done something that is outside of Scripture, you're not to come with both guns ablazing at them. You're to come with gentleness, humility. And only when the one is meek before God can we do this because we know that we have failed and we have stumbled. And God has shown us mercy and God has shown us patience. And we're to return give that to those who we come in contact with. And it says that we're not to think that He is something if He's nothing. Again, meekness is humility. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. I mean, just stop for, stop for five seconds and just think about today. Was all your interactions gentle? Kind? Loving? What about the last week? It says, let your gentle spirit be known to all. Only when we truly understand who we are under God can we truly show this to other human beings. Colossians chapter 3 speaks specifically to those who are chosen of God, and, and these are the blessed ones. Look what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. So as to those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, why and how? Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Again, there's the vertical. When we understand that we are nothing in the sight of God except for He has shown us mercy, we don't deserve it, we're not owed it, we have nothing to boast, and when we can be meek before God and say, I don't deserve forgiveness or mercy, but you have shown it on me, that person then can turn around and know that they don't deserve mercy and grace. And then you look at someone and say, well, they really don't deserve it in my mind, but God has forgiven me. And God has shown me mercy when I didn't deserve it. So therefore, I extend that same mercy. It is only the one who understands that in their relationship with God can they extend that to others. Has the Lord forgave you? Has the Lord been kind to you? Has the Lord been patient with you? We are to extend that to others. See, it starts with a vertical and it extends to the horizontal. 1 Timothy 6, verse 11 says, But flee from these things, you men of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. We're going to learn next week that we're to pursue righteousness but he also tells us to pursue gentleness. I mean, just stop for a second and think about this on your list of importance in your sanctification. If you made a list and you're like, what is the most important parts of my sanctification that I really want to seek after, what would it be? I bet you that we would not have very many people in their top five things that has gentleness and kindness on that but he says we're to pursue these things because the blessed one does. The one that's chosen of God does because they understand their relationship with God. They're meek, they're broken, they're humble, knowing they deserve nothing, and therefore they extend that because they know that they're just like their fellow man. And the only way that they're different is that God has shown mercy to them. We're no different except for God has shown mercy to us undeservingly from anything we've done. 
and we understand that, then we can extend that grace and mercy and be meek and gentle and kind because that's what God has called us to do. Think about this. Remember the example and the meaning of the word praos, which means how a horse was broken. It is, we are under the command of God, and when we are meek before God, then we, are, we, we don't look to ourselves, we don't lean into our understanding, we don't question God, but we, we fully are in obedience to everything He says. And guess what He says? Be kind and gentle to all. So you see, if we're not meek to God, then we can't be meek to the fellow man because God has said for this to be our action and our demeanor and our spirit towards others. 2 Timothy 2, 24-25. And this verse is going to speak for those who witness. When someone comes, and I have been guilty of this. This one I can tell you that I have failed miserably on. Because when someone disagrees with you in a matter of terms, there's been times where I've not handled it the best. She can agree with that. She'll attest. But do you know what you do when, when you are not kind and you're not gentle in your apologetics and you're not kind and gentle in your approach? Do you know what you do? You sin. How crazy is that? We're, we're defending the Bible and sinning at the same time does no good. People shut down. There's no kindness. There's no grace. There's no patience there. And he tells us here in this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 25, that when we witness, when we're in this world, when we are around unbelievers or in anything that we come in, we're, we're speaking in the name of Christ. We're to do it in one way and one way only. Gentleness. Listen to what he says. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. Oh. Patient when wronged. We won't stop there right now. We'll keep going. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. You can blow your witness if you don't come with gentleness. How can we be meek before God when we are quarrelsome, disruptive, unkind, and not patient? Because if we're truly meek to God and under His authority and His submission, then this is what He's commanded us to do and we'll do this. And this is only produced by the fruit of the Spirit. Is this how we witness to people? Is this how we come in contact with those who we disagree with? Unfortunately, I failed in this. And hopefully I'm alone in that. But that's a hard one, especially to not get quarrelsome and to continue in kindness. Again, this is not done by the natural man because the natural man says, you've wronged me. Let me tell you why you deserve what I'm going to tell you. The natural man says, let me stick up for me at all costs. They will defend themselves at all costs because a lot of times we've elevated ourselves to little deities, if you will. How dare you offend me? Do you not know who I am? I'm always right. That's because we're not meek before God. That's why we're so easily offended. That's why we're so argumentative. That's why we're so quarrelsome. Because we're not meek before our Creator. And it translates into our attitude towards others. Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says, Remind them to be in subject, subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's that's the life of a person before Christ. And then Christ comes and He saves us. And when we look back on that, we see how ignorant we were and how God still showed us mercy. How He was still patient. How He was still kind. And there was people that were probably in your life that were witnessing and ministering the Gospel when you and I were as foolish as we could be. When we look and remember who we are 
a sinner saved by mercy and grace alone, then when we set our eyes on our fellow human, in our fellow creature, we realize that and we come with humility and kindness and patience. James chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This comes from above. First Peter tells us this in verse 3 through 5, chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Your adornment must not be merely external. Talking to the ladies here, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses. That's not your adornment. But what is it? But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality. Look what he says. He says his word is imperishable. The, the seed, which is the word of God, is imperishable. His blood, and his, he's imperishable, will have an imperishable body. But look what he says. It's an imperishable quality of a gentle and a quiet spirit. Ladies, he says if you want to know what is to be shown, there's an imperishable quality that comes on the inside. That it is produced not in anything that you've done, not in your own uh, nature, but there's an imperishable quality that comes out of the inside of the blessed one. Out of the one who's been born again, there's an imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. That's what we're to, not me, I'm not a woman, but you know what I mean. But we're all to have that gentle and quiet spirit. Ladies, that's what he tells us to do. He tells us to put on this quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Again, there's the vertical. When you are meek before God, then that will flow out to all those in, around you. For in this way in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being in submissive, submissive to their own husbands. Again, there's the meekness, the humility. God has given us roles and God has given the, the husband as the head and, and the woman as the helper, not because one is superior and one is inferior, but because they have been given different roles. And the best way that we can explain this is we look at the Trinity. We look at the triune God, that the Father sent the Son, and the Son was in subjection to the, the Father. And, and, the son, and the Spirit doesn't point to Himself, but points to the Son who points back to the Father. They're all equal, co-eternal, but they have different roles. That's the same thing in a marriage. And it says that this is the meekness that a woman is supposed to have. And they do that because they're meek before God first. Not because your husband deserves it. Not because they've done everything perfect that day. But because you're meek before God. That's how that flows out. If you look at them, you remember when we were talking about the government and we're like, hey, listen, I can't be, I can't be in subjection to them. I see their face and there's no way. But we, he said that God places those people in those positions and when you are in subjection to them, you're, you're looking past them and you're looking to the one who placed them there unless they command you to do something that God forbids or forbids you to do something God commands. So when, when the ladies are doing this, don't look at your husband's face because you know that'll get you fired up a lot. I can tell you this from experience. If she looks at me a lot of times... She's not going to want to show a lot of patience, and rightfully so. But she's kind and she's gentle. Not because I deserve it, but because she's meek before God. She understands who God is. She understands that she's been shown mercy, and that will come out. And the husband, same way. We're to be the same way, gentle and kind. Not because we look at her and say, well, you know what, she's done this, this, and this, and this. Well, have you ever done anything that has been worthy of scrutiny? Yes. <laughs> yes, we all have. But we're to forgive and be patient and kind because this is what our God has done for us. It's a vertical first. And then it's the horizontal. And if we don't have the vertical, you can never do this. You cannot leave here today. A non-believer can leave, never leave and say, I'm going to try my best to be meek. Can't do it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's impossible because you're not meek to God first. 1 Peter 3, 
a little bit farther down says this in verse 14 through 16, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks to give an account for the hope that is in you. You're getting ready to let them have it. They want to know what you believe. And they want to know and they need to know because, oh my goodness, they're so far off. And here it comes. Here comes my answer. Here it comes. Listen up. But the Bible tells us that we're to present it in a certain way. With gentleness. And reverence. And keep a good... And keep a good conscience so that in everything you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Again, why do we do this? Because we're meek to God. We're in submission to God. God has commanded us to be this way and to do these things. And we lose our witness and we, we lose our testimony to these people if we don't respond as Christ has commanded us to. And then we, we look at another parable that speaks on humility. There's, there's a humility that comes in being meek where we don't put ourselves at the top. We, we, we prefer others above ourselves and we understand that we are unworthy of anything. And all that we have is a blessing and a gift from God and we share that same attitude towards others. And we see this parable in Luke 14. This is the meek one. Listen, it says, He began speaking a parable to the invited guests and when he noticed they had been picking out the places of honor at the table saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For someone more distinguished than you may be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have, your, have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is, what the, this is what the Pharisees did. They would come into the synagogue, and how the synagogue was set up was that around the edges of the building there would be benches. And, and the, the Pharisees would come and they would sit, and they thought they deserved the seats. They wanted the seat of honor, if you will. And the, the lowly people were then assigned to the floor. This is who they thought they were. They came in saying, I deserve that seat. Look at me. Don't cross me. Don't sit in my seat. Don't offend me. I'm here. I'm good. I'm righteous before God. How dare you? How dare you? And this parable says, don't come into the room like that. When you come into the room, a Christian should be the most humble, the most meek, and they should say, let me sit at the back. I don't deserve anything more than that. I'm nothing without God. I've, I've done nothing. I've brought nothing. I'm here because of God's mercy. What He has given me, He can take away in a heartbeat. Gifts, not your salvation, but material things. Sometimes we think, well, I'm better off than this person. Look, He can take it away. We have what we have because of God. And the meek person is the one who in those trials and in the situations in life says, God, I trust you here. I thank you here. I'm going to be obedient to you here. I'm not going to rebuke you, complain, argue with you. I am under your submission. But we should be the ones who are humble, giving our seat up, sitting on the floor so that others can sit in other more exalted places. Because who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is what the Christian does. This is the meek one. We don't walk into rooms thinking that everyone owes us everything. And we start to compare the meek and the not meek. The not meek, here's some of the characteristics. Harsh, proud, angry, revengeful, ambitious. Just stop for a second and ask yourself, have you presented with any of these lately? There's a good chance we all have because we're not in our glorified body. But the thought is, can we hear these things and it be breaking us to the morning of our sin? Harsh, proud, angry, revengeful. Vengeance is mine, says God. Not, it, not ours. Again, when we're meek before God, we know it's all His, it's not ours. So we don't go for it and we don't seek it. But the meek one is humble and patient 
forgiving and gentle and content. And we see this in Proverbs in a couple passages. Verse 16, in uh, chapter 16, verse 32, it says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. It takes strength to be gentle. It takes strength to be gentle and kind and patient. It takes no strength to act in your own human nature. But it takes strength when someone is coming at you and, and saying things that are hostile. Or it takes strength to control that and to be humble and gentle. But that's the meek one. That doesn't come any other way but through the Spirit of God. That's why he says the blessed one is this. And in Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says, Like a city that is broken into and walls without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. It's chaos. It's the walls are broken down. No control. This is the one who is not meek before others. Again, meekness is not weakness, but strength under control. It takes strength to be gentle towards others. And then I just wrote a few things down here about the meek person in relation to others. The meek one does not think everyone owes them everything. This is why we're so easily offended, isn't it? Because we're so proud. If we're truly meek before God, we realize we don't, owe, we don't deserve anything from God and we don't deserve anything from anyone else. Why do you get offended? Why do I get offended? How dare you talk to me like that? Do you not know who I am? How dare you? Don't you know I deserve better than that? You see, the meek one is the one who knows that the, God owes him nothing and his fellow man owes him nothing. The meek one knows that the whole world does not revolve around him or her. The meek one does not walk around with a chip on their shoulder just daring someone to knock it off. Remember the meek one's in the back realizing they're the lowliest and don't deserve anything. You see the difference here between the not meek and the meek? It all starts with your meekness to God, submission to Him. The meek one does not seek revenge. The meek one is not easily offended. I was just thinking about this and I stopped myself on the way up here. But let me give you an example. From the time we left our house to the time we got here, we had several people that just happened to take the turn way too slow getting off the road. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm just thankful that I was coming to preach on meekness tonight because I didn't say a word. But do you know what the meek person or the not meek person says? What are you doing? Now I have to slow down. Now I've hit the brake. Now you've caused me to mess my whole flow up. I've had to take the cruise off. How dare you hinder me? You see what I mean? You say, well, I'm meek. I'm giving you an example we've probably all done. Or the person in the light sets a little too long don't they know that I'm the only one on the road? You see, it seems like it's nothing, but these little things really truly tell us who we are. That we don't show meekness a lot of times because we think the world revolves around us. Except for the wild horse that has been tamed by God. He's the one with the, the reins and we're the ones with a bit in our mouth and and He's the one who shows us where to go and we're under His subjection and we're nothing without Him. Let us never forget that. That's why the person who is meek is the one who's mourned over sin, but they can't mourn over sin unless they're broken and poor in spirit. They realize they're nothing before God. It continues to flow down the list of the attitudes. The meek person gives the judgment of charity. And this is something that I think is important. And we mentioned it a little bit. What is the judgment of charity? The judgment of charity is that you give the same charity to others as you do to yourself. We are the hardest critics of everyone else. 
But you know who we're not the hardest critics of? Ourselves. Someone does one thing and boy, we are on them and there's no charity, there's no kindness, there's no patience. We assume the worst and how dare they? And then it comes to us. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, listen, but here's the reason I did it. You really made me mad. You really did this. I can, I'm speaking from experience. This is not hard for me to come up with. Do you see the difference? What if the next time someone says something, does something, that you show the same charity that you would want towards you? The same level of patience that you would want to you or you give to yourself. See, that's what the meek person does. The meek person's like, I failed so many times. And only by the mercy of God do I have any forgiveness or grace. And you know what? You may have, you may have done this several times. And, you know, listen, but I forgive you. And it's okay. I'll show you kindness. I'll show you patience because that's what God has done for me. Meek before God allows us to be meek before others. And if you're not meek before God, you can't be meek towards others. You see how easily this creeps into all aspects of our lives? Give the judgment of charity. Here's one. The meek person is happy for others in their success and gains. We live in a world where you'll see someone who gets something in the first thing that you say. <laughs> and we start bad-mouthing them. How dare they? How could they? Why don't they? How'd they get that? Why'd they do that? Jealousy rages. Again, this is, so, this is who we are. But the meek person does not look at the one who has more and say, well, I deserve that. You know what the meek person says? God, thank you for what I have. Thank you for what you've given me. It may not be that, but I'm in submission to you. I trust you. And if this is what you want me to have in this here and now, then praise you in it. The meek one does not think that he deserves everything that the next person gets, but is happy and grateful that he has what God has given him. The meek one is not argumentative just to be argumentative. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. The meek one does not defend themselves because they know they don't deserve anything in and of themselves, but they defend God at all costs. You really want to get the righteous indignation going in someone who's meek, you start talking blasphemous or you start to defy or defile the word of God. That's when the meek person starts to rise up. We can be angry and sin not. And we're going to talk about this on Sunday. When Jesus comes into the temple, we look at this story and so many people that just don't have an understanding of God. They'll look at Jesus and say, well, he made this whip and he's whipping people with it and he's driving people out. And look, he's lost his mind. He has no control. They accused him of everything under the sun. What was he sticking up for? His father in his father's house. You've made this place a den of thieves or a place of business. This is my father's house. The meek one knows that they don't deserve anything. They're not entitled to anything. And they don't get offended like that, but they do stand up and get offended when you start to talk about their God, the one to whom they're in subjection and they are meek before. The meek one seeks the concerns and needs of others and it treats others as the Bible commands as they are meek to God's word, even above their feelings. You ever felt like someone didn't deserve for them for, to have niceness shown to them? Do you know what happens in those moments? We're not showing meekness because if we're truly meek, remember the horse that's in subjection, the meek one before God says, your word says we are to act like this, my feelings say otherwise. The meek one says, I will set aside my pride, getting the last word, and thinking I'm right because I'm meek before you and I'll do whatever you command. That's the meek one. 
The meek one is in obedience to God's Word even over their feelings. And true meekness is shown in testing. We, we talked about this last week. Of being in obedience to God comes in testing. When He, when he is placed you in the middle of the storm and and trials are coming and and temptations are coming and and heartache is coming. Is that the moment when we run? No, that's the moment when the meek person says, God, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. Think about the horse that, that may have been meeked for battle. Can you imagine the horse that's been wild and free and now he's under the reins and in there in battle and and maybe the sounds of 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 Shots are going off or the sounds of the war is going on around them. The meek horse is sitting there. And even in their own instinct says, i got to get out of here. i got to run. I don't like this. I'm scared. I'm spooked. But the meek horse, what does he do? He does not move. He does not complain. He sets and trusts in the one to whom he's in subjection to. That's how we are. When life is miserable in our eyes, that is where meekness comes. True submission to God. But it also comes in our reaction in relationship to others. When is our true meekness tested in our relationship to others? When someone says, boy, that's a great outfit. And oh my goodness, you possibly are the kindest person I've ever met in my life. Your meekness will never be tested there. But you know where your meekness will be tested? When someone says something about you that you know is not true. That's where meekness is tested. It's tested when everything in your human nature wants to let them have it. You can speak the truth, but in kindness and gentleness. That's where meekness is found. It's found in the testing. It's found when it's going against our natural feelings and emotions. And we can't do this on our own. That's why it's a supernatural act that brings this meekness. Blessed are the meek. That's those who have been regenerate. And Spurgeon said this, and I I thought it was a great little saying here. We think about the one who is strong and the one who always gets its way is a hammer who's bringing the force and bringing the, you know, bringing the heat. But he says that an anvil wears out many hammers. They swing, and they swing, and they swing, and they swing. But guess which one is going to wear out first? The hammer. Because the anvil is strong. It takes it. It's meek, if you will. Because there's strength and meekness. And I remember hearing a few stories. I'll, I'll say this and we'll briefly. We're almost there. Close. It picks up, I promise. But I want you to tell, I want to hear three stories. It does pick, pick up, Zeke. Trust me. These are important stories. It, Spurgeon was telling a story of a pastor who was sitting there and he was, he was having dinner with these, these people who were not Christians. Some were, some weren't. And he began to speak the truth of the gospel. And the guy sitting to his left did not like what he was saying. And he took a cup of water. You know what he did to this preacher? Threw it right in his face. Now, what would you do? Don't, just think about it. And, and you know in your mind what you would do. You've been offended for less. Right? You know what the guy did? The meek one. Reached in his pocket. Wiped off his face. He said, sir, can I continue? Can I continue to tell you the truth? You know what that guy did? He grabbed another cup of water from the buddy next to him. You know what he did? Second cup of water right in this guy's face. You know what the meek one does? Had his rag already out. Had his handkerchief already out. Wiped his face off again. I would love to tell you the rest of this if you let me. Don't you dare do it. And he began to speak in kindness and love. Just so happened to find a third cup of water. And he threw it in his face again. You know what he really did this time? He took the same handkerchief and he wiped off his face. And do you know what that guy said? The guy who'd been throwing the water in his face? He fell down to his knees beside this guy. 
And he says, I want this. This is amazing. This is life changing. This is not by natural means. I want this. And he was converted that day because the meek man was hum- had humility and continued to be kind and gentle. He tells another story where a guy was out evangelizing and the guy didn't like what he said and he punched this preacher right in the teeth. A couple of his teeth go flying. He said, do you have anything to say to that? He said, yes, I do. He said, I'd let you knock out every tooth that I had if you let me continue to speak the gospel to you. And you know that guy was converted there by seeing the meekness of Christian people. Tony Evans tells the story. You've heard me say it before that his 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 uh, mom and dad were not Christians. His his father became a Christian, and his mom spent every day of her life after that point to come down every morning and make his life miserable. Try to provoke him, try to get him tripped up, and to test him. And every day that uh, he, he would be kind and gentle and to the point to where she comes down the stairs one day and says, I don't know what you have, but every time I treat you bad, you treat me good. I want this as well. You see, it's meekness. But that only comes from being meek before God. Is this who we are? Is this who we are? And you're like, why should I be like this? Well, well, the Bible tells us to, but here's the main point. Those who walk after Christ, those who call themselves Christians are commanded to walk even as He walked. And do you know that Jesus is the ultimate example of this kind of meekness? And we find that in Philippians 2. This seems to be a passage that we've, we've been at for a long time, but it's important. Listen to what it says. It says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete... By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's what we've been talking about. Not selfish, humble, in humility. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Listen to what verse 5 says. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. So here's the humility. Here's the action that we're to portray. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found as an appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you see the connection that he makes? He says, don't be selfish. Don't look out for just yourself. Look out for others. Have the same mind of Christ. And how does Christ do this? By taking on flesh and humbling himself. Being in submission to the will of the Father. And what happened in his earthly ministry? Do you think people talk to him kindly all the time? No. No, if there was ever one person who was perfect that didn't deserve any of the things that were being said to him. It was Christ. And he gives us this example on how to act in return. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this in verse 21 through 25. For you have been called for this purpose. That parallels Ephesians 4. You've been called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've been called. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Can you say the same? No. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Do you see that? There's meekness. What did we talk about last week? The meek one is in subjection to the Father, in subjection to God. Doesn't look for their own interest, but is in submission to him. Christ comes down. And he's being reviled, he's being spat at, he's being rebuked, he's being lied about. And what does he do? He keeps entrusting himself to the Father. He's being meek before the Father. And this is our example. And it says after that he bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. 
for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you've turned to the shepherd in the garden of your souls. We see this also in Isaiah 53, where it says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. Because you know what happens if he, re- if he opens his mouth and acts like us and how we would act? No one enters heaven. That would have been sinful. He gave us the example. He gave us the example to be meek and submissive before the Father. And He gives the example how to be meek before others. And you say, I can't do it. Well, God has given us the example. And through His Spirit, we can be sanctified into this reality. Not perfect, that's glorification, but we should progress. And one of uh, one of the great verses in the Bible is Isaiah 42, verse 3, which is picked up in Matthew 12. And, and he says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Do you know what a broken reed is? A broken reed was a, a stalk of grain that was just in plenty, in number. And if one of the reeds were broken, if they got bent, then no one thought it was worth anything because they're a dime a dozen. And if it was broken, they would toss it and throw it away. It was wounded. meant nothing. But here comes Christ, and He he brings us into the New Testament, and He says, a bruised reed He will not break. You and I have been a bruised reed. We've been broken. We've been damaged. We've been wounded. We've been sad. We've been whatever it may be. And aren't you glad that He comes and He's gentle, and He's meek, and He shows compassion, and He's patient towards you and me. Have you ever tested the patience of God? Have you ever needed God to have patience on you and show you loving kindness and be gentle to you when gentleness is not what you deserve? Or me. I've been there. But God says that He's gentle and he, a bruised reed He won't break because He comes in compassion and gentleness. That's how we're to act to others. We're to stand firm for the cause of Christ, not to be pushed over. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to just let everybody run over us. We're to stand firm in the truth of God, but in kindness. But then we're also supposed to not wound others, damage others, but be like Christ, those who are the bruised reed, to reach out and be kind and gentle to them. True meekness is found in testing. There is, this is where meekness or submission to God is the most sincere. We talked about this last week. The meek person is humble, gentle, and submission to God. And the results in the meek person saying, not my will, but yours be done. Again, we know that the end of this verse says that the meek or the gentle shall inherit the earth. This is talking about our eternal home. That we are children of God, and we know that in an inheritance, the one that precedes you leaves you the inheritance. It is something that is gifted to you. Not that you've necessarily earned it or merited it, but it says here, this was mine, I give it to you. And and Christ says because we're children of God, that we are heirs of God and we're co-heirs with Christ. What is Christ is ours. We share in the union of sonship and we also share in this communion with Him in the new heaven and the new earth. Again, that's consistent because who will inherit the new heaven and the new earth? It's the blessed one and the regenerate soul. And that's where righteousness dwells. I'm going to finish my, this last part. I, I hope we see that this is a challenge for all of us. Just being up here speaking on this, I can, just, I can think in my mind times and moments and things that I just struggle in not showing meekness. And there's one reason that I don't show meekness to others. You ready? Because I'm not truly as meek as I should be before God. That's it. If you're meek before God and you are humble before Him and you know you don't deserve anything and He's been kind and patient and whatever He says in His Word and wherever He guides you, whatever He puts you in, that is where that you belong and that is where you praise Him at and you just thank Him for who He is, thank Him for what He's given you, know that you don't deserve anything then that action and that attitude will be presented out towards others. I hope we see what's at stake here. This is not an optional thing. 
You cannot say, I don't have to be meek. Because if you're not meek, you're not blessed. And if you're not blessed, you do not inherit the, the new heaven and the new earth. It's an important thing, and it starts with being broken in spirit and mourning over sin. That's where meekness finds its place. Being meek and gentle is not optional. It's not an optional characteristic or an attribute, but it's a rather a characteristic of everyone who will be in heaven. To be meek when we must be born again is as this is by the Holy Spirit, and they are, the Holy Spirit shows that they're poor in spirit, they are spiritually bankrupt, and they begin to mourn and weep over their sin and repentance. Meekness begins with the vertical in regards to our meekness to God, submission to Him. We're to be meek to God and in total submission and obedience to His sovereign authority. To be meek is to be humble before God, knowing that we deserve absolutely nothing and that all that we have is from God, to whom we are in total submission. starts there. This vertical meekness is the only thing that allows us to be meek toward others, which is the horizontal aspect of what meekness includes. The same humility that the Blessed One has toward God is to be shown toward other people as we live in humility with Christ being our example. One can't be meek toward others if they're not meek towards God as the horizontal cannot be present without the vertical. Now listen to this as we close. This is a reality check. And this is hard to hear because I know it. I've, I've, I've dealt with this all week and I pray that it, it never stops being convicted in my heart. The attitude and the love that we have towards other people is a direct correlation to our love and our relationship with God. That's truth. If we're always lashing out, if we always think we're entitled, if we always are looking for a way to be offended, if we're always thinking that it's all about us and nobody else, then we truly need to examine our relationship with the Lord. Because you remember what one of the tests of a Christian is. It says, you know you've passed from death to life. Why? Because you love the brethren. When you can look at someone and say, in my mind, they don't deserve it, but neither do I, so I'm going to extend kindness. That doesn't happen in the human fallen state. Again, how do you treat others? What is your action toward others? Are you humble or are you proud? Is it about you or is it about God and others? Remember the first command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. What's the others? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, that's the vertical. And there's the horizontal. Because Christ demonstrated that to us. That's a way to check your relationship with the Lord and how meek you are is how you respond and how you treat others. And if you're truly honest, if you're truly honest, it should break us. We should mourn tonight because we've all failed in this miserably. We'll end it with this last verse. Blessed are the gentle and the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That is blessed. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this Word. We thank You for Your truth. Lord, these are hard words. These are hard sayings, but God, they're true. Lord, I pray that tonight we would walk out of here all of us convicted, all of us broken, all of us mourning over our lack of meekness to You and towards other people. Lord, let us forgive like You forgave us. Let us love others like You've loved us. Let us show charity to others like You've shown it to us. Let us be patient and kind like You have to us towards other people. God, I pray that You would break us and humble us, God. In any pride, in any, any arrogance, in any selfishness that's in any one of us tonight, Lord, I pray that You would just convict us by the Holy Spirit until we fall and repent and ask for change and, and sanctification through the Holy Spirit. Lord, these are hard. 
These are hard truths, but God, they're Your truths. So we can't not run from them. We cannot hide from them. But Lord, let us embrace them tonight. And Lord, we thank You for being the example. Thank You that You were meek and gentle. And Lord, that You have given us the example to follow. Father, forgive us, we pray. Forgive me for the times I've failed so often in this. But Lord, let me realize and let us all realize tonight that our attitude toward others, our actions toward others, is more than just them. But it is to You and it is for You. And to You we give all the glory and the praise. And we thank You that we can inherit the earth because You've blessed us and shown us grace and mercy. Amen.